You're listening to the Joy Junkie Show podcast, episode 048. You can find information on anything referenced in this episode at thejoyjunkie.com slash 48. You're listening to The Joy Junkie Show, your source for getting your shit together in love and life. Wouldn't it suck if I really talk like that? I'm Mr. Smith. I'll be hanging out on the show with you guys. So without further ado, here's your host, life coach, speaker, all-around badass, just happens to be my beautiful bride, Amy E. Smith. Hey everybody, welcome to the Joy Junkie Show. Amy Smith here. I am uh, thrilled to have you here for one of our life topic weeks. So if you hang out with us on the show, you know that we typically will vacillate between life topics and love topics. And this week we have a life topic for you. And we're going to be discussing what the hell to do when you doubt yourself, Um, which Plenty of us go through constantly all the time. So I have another guestie on the show with me today. Um, if, you, if you've hung out in the show and, and listened for a while, you know that quite a few months ago I was actually accompanied by my soulmate and uh, love of my life, Mr. Smith, as my co-host. Uh, he's he's uh, on a little bit of a sabbatical at the moment, so he'll be coming back with us and being on air in May. But until then, I've had the great fortune to line up some awesome guest hosts who I've affectionately called guesties. So mm-hmm. today I have a guestie who I I know, but I don't know. I mean, I, I, I guess I officially <laughs> met you 10 minutes ago, four minutes ago. Right, <laughs> right. But but uh, as as we've kind of mentioned, our our uh, personal development coaching online world is is very connected in in kind of a bizarre way, but it's quite cool. <laughs> so I have one of those tribe tribesmen uh, from from my my coaching world. Michelle Ward is here with us today. Hey, Michelle. Hi, Amy. Thank you for having me. And yeah, like our internet friendship is real. So it's great. You know, it's it's crazy that we literally just like officially met five minutes ago, but not really. Not really. And we've, you know, we're we're a part of uh, some similar groups online Mm -hmm. where we, you know, support one another and uh, and you've done some collaborative work for projects that I've done in the past. And so, Mm -hmm. yeah, we're just it, it. It's so funny how that all works out. And it's just it's just awesome. To feel connected with people so quickly. It is. And I always say that with, you know, my business stuff too. It's like, oh my God, without not only the internet, but um, the blogging, Facebook groups, you know, all Twitter, all of those different social media homes. I know sometimes it's really hard to like put yourself out there and wrap your head around it. But if it wasn't for that, not only would I not have the business (laughs) that I have, but I wouldn't have like the super close friends that I feel actually get me. Yes. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's oh, 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 here they are. Oh my God, here they are. Yeah. Yeah, yes, Big absolutely. Time. And you know what? And if I was single, I was just talking to my brother about this. If I was single, I would so do internet dating because I love the idea of like, narrow it down. You're either in my soul tribe or you're not. Like, peace. Yeah. It's so yeah. easy. You know, I met my husband through Friendster, if you um, remember – 
six-year-old friendster. Oh my uh, God. Wow. Yeah. And people hear that and they, and they think they're like, oh, you and your husband have been together for 25 years. <laughs> like, that's how long ago it, sound, it seemed. Right. Um, but for the, you know, friends, friendster was really, from what I remember, like the very first kind of social media network. Mm -hmm. Um, so it was before Facebook, it was before MySpace was Friendster. And even though at the time I was on JDate and I was on Match and I was doing that for a while when a when a long term relationship of mine ended, uh I feel like Friendster is now a I think still like a social media community but for gamers. And why no one bought it to make it into a dating site, it's probably something I should have done. It was so great because when you would say, you know, I'm single and uh, I'm a woman this age and I'm interested in men between this age range um, and here's my zip code, they would only show you men that fit that description that are within three degrees of separation from you. So you're only looking at your friends, your friends, friends, and your friends, friends, friends. And it was like so great. Yeah, it was really cool. So you kind of had that comfort knowing that, oh my God, I'm only seeing people that like someone else that I know could vouch for. And it was so great. I'm just, I'm so surprised that that kind of died. But yeah, it was such a good way to meet each other. Oh, that's awesome. I love that. I I I met Mr. Smith in RL. Uh-huh. In RL. Oh in my real God, life. So funny. IRL. It's so funny. Um, but yeah, that was many we had pagers when we met, so it was <gasps> many, many You guys years. have been together for forty seven years at yeah. least. Yeah, this summer <laughs> this summer will be seventeen. Oh my gosh, Mazeltov. That is <laughs> super exciting. I dig him the most. I do. So, okay. So before we jump into everything, I do want to tell everybody a little bit more about you. Okay. So I'm going to read your your fancy bio. So Michelle has one question for you. What do you want to be when you grow when you grow up? She answered that question for herself, and today she helps women transition out of soul sucking jobs and into work that feels like play. So you may have seen her around, maybe on Etsy, AOL Jobs, Newsweek, SXSW, Freelancers Union, Psychology Today, Forbes Top 100 Websites for Your Career, or maybe Mm -hmm. just, you know, 100 plus other media outlets. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, She published her first book, which is called The Declaration of You, and was co-written with an artist named Jessica Swift, and you can find it all around in uh, virtual bookshelves everywhere or real, uh, you know. In, in real life bookshelves. Yeah. <laughs> NRL. NRL. And discover what you want to be when you grow up at whenigrowupcoach.com. So that's where you can yeah. start stalking her and find out more about her awesome work. Um, it's funny. I, I totally feel like we – I remember reading an article somewhere that said uh, Gen Xers, which is what I kind of fall under, um, will have – an average of five or six full-blown careers in their lifetime. Mm-hmm. So here I am. I'm in my mid-30s, and I still think sometimes, like, what do I want to be when I grow up? Because you know? <laughs> I, I, So I figure I've gotten one one major career down. I've got the second one well underway, and I figure my last one I'll end up with, like, dog breeding or something like that. Like, <laughs> I've always so thought that. That'll be so different. Well, the the reason I I call myself the one I grow up coach is because I was saying exactly that in my mid to late 20s. And I was saying, I don't know what I want to be when I grow up. And people would laugh because I was this, you know, woman (laughs) saying, 
oh, I don't know what I want to be when I grow up. And everyone would go, ha, ha, ha. And I'd go like, no, I really don't know. Someone help me. So, right. I, you know, I essentially became the coach I needed at the time is really what I ended up doing. But, yeah, those, that, that study sounds right. Well, you know, I'm sure millennials it, will have even more jobs too, even more careers. Millennials and then after them is what they're calling yeah. Gen Z or the app generation. Oh, oh, okay. Oh, I haven't heard that yet. Those are the those are the newest. Those are the kids now, like kids, kids. And um, the, I just, oh my gosh, I trip out on that. We're not going to have children, but I always think like, my God, what do you do with these kids who? They only know having online communities and online profiles oh. and, and download this and it's loading. Oh, my. You know, my little, my little, uh, my brother's uh, girlfriend's daughter will always say like, it's loading, it's loading. Like she knows. <laughs> when, I'm like, what? It's just not. You know, I, I forget who just told me this story, but it doesn't really matter. And she was saying that um, it's probably like a three year old. I think it was her son. Her son is like two or three, I mean, young, mm-hmm. like like three or younger, she went to put a DVD in. And she's like, we never watch DVDs. We always just watch TV. We stream things on Netflix, whatever. So we never saw a DVD before. And he and he got the case and he started swiping it like it was an iPad or an oh iPhone. God. Oh my God. And he's like, Mom, mommy, movie doesn't work. Movie doesn't work because obviously nothing was happening because it was a DVD case. And she was like, <laughs> star- like a, th- a three-year-old, a three-year-old. And she was just hysterical. She's like, he doesn't even know what a DVD is. I know. It's I, I, it, it's crazy. I know. I can't, I, can't, <laughs> I can't wrap my head around. Some of our good friends are about to have a baby. And, you know, I'm just like, what What do you do about that? You know, and, and some of our other friends said, well, as far as social media goes, they can have whatever profiles they want as long as I have the passwords to everything. Uh-huh. And I'm like, okay, okay. Because – I'm I'm way too much of a control freak. That would just freak me the fuck out. I'd be like, I, yeah. oh my god! Oh, right, right. Until they're eighteen or until they're out of their out of your house, they follow your rules and you get access to every. There's no privacy. There's no privacy. <laughs> but um, so that's perfect. Perfect transition. Let's move into shit that does matter. I always say like, yeah. let's talk about shit that doesn't matter at first, and then warm up the mics, and then get into shit that does matter. So, um. I, I noticed that you had written a blog post, kind of like some of the things that, that you say to yourself when you begin to go into a place of doubt. So I thought, mm-hmm. what a great topic for us to to share with the, the junkies, the audience, because I think a lot of us go through that. And I, I've been thinking about that a lot recently. I'm, I'm doing a project that I've been talking to everybody about called Bring Your Thing. And mm-hmm. it's a collaborative project with, with Andrea, who you know. And... Huh. It really is all about this, you know, big goal, this big dream, this thing that you want that Mm -hmm. for whatever reason you're not going after, right? And um, so, Mm -hmm. by the way, you guys, if you haven't done so already, go to bringyourthing.com and you can get completely free access to a a full video series that we created to show you really how to bring your biggest dream into fruition. But one of the things that we've been discussing a lot lately is how most of it is not the tactile steps and the game mm-hmm. plan and things like that. Most of it is is the the lack of belief in self and this, you know, this self-doubt that infringes on people actually going after what they really want. They'll go after mm-hmm. the shit they don't really care that much about because then they don't have to deal with beating themselves up and, uh, you know, all this negative self-talk or, you know, whatever's going on. So 
so it's just been it's been really on my mind lately and I'd love to hear your mm-hmm. thoughts on what do you think uh where do people get really hung up on self-doubt or, uh-huh. or what are some of the things you see a lot well, first, I have to say that self-doubt is the reason that I'm in business and that I've been in business full-time for over four years. I mean, I, I literally just had this conversation with someone in a in a consultation call, and she's like, but I'm so scared of this, and I'm so scared of this, and I'm so scared of this. And I said, if you weren't, number one, if you're not scared, then that's where that's when I would be worried. <laughs> you it's know, not like, a big enough dream. Someone, yep. It's not a big enough dream. There's not enough invested um, I'm known for saying all the time that I I just love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Even thinking of it, I get excited. When I feel or my clients tell me they're feeling pretty equal amounts of excited and scared. Yep. Like that's what I know. <gasps> we are on the right track because if you follow the equal amounts exciting and scared, that to me means that you not only are – you know, you're excited about something. So it's lighting you up in some way. It's like something that you're passionate about, something you care about. But if you weren't nervous or scared or whatever word you want to use, then as you said, it's not a big enough dream or it's not really anything that's that important. By it being scary, it means that it's important. And so I find that even when you follow that path, whatever feels scary and exciting to you, even if you want, even if that's not your thing forever, even if that's not the thing that you're going to be doing for the next 10 years, even if that's not your best-selling book or whatever, it's, it's a learning experience. It's a growing experience and it's something you're never going to forget ever. Um, so I get really excited when my clients find that piece of like, Oh, Michelle, when you mentioned that thing, I got, I got really excited, but I'm also really scared. It's like, Oh, well, that's the thing we have to do now. Now, you know, too bad. <laughs> right. This is what we're doing, whether you like it or not. Um, so I think I have to preface that by saying, you know, I like to call them the vampire voices because they're the voices in our heads that suck the good things out of us. Yeah. We all have them um, and they really never go away. But I think there's a way that we could manage them and we could also use them as a guide to help us really pinpoint exactly what it is that we need to be working on and through. So if your vampire voice is saying to you that um, you don't have enough experience, uh, you know, you, you know that that means that there's something there that's resonating with you and there's truth in that. And, and the vampire voices are looking to protect us in a way. Um, So sometimes like you have to, you have to, pull up the bullshit meter and see how much of this is an excuse and how much of it is real. But it might be pointing to you to like, okay, you're not going to spend the next 10 years getting, you know, all these degrees that you don't need, but maybe you need to work with a few guinea pigs or maybe you need a certification or maybe you just, you need something um, more substantial to, you know, move, help you move forward and be more comfortable and confident with that. Yeah, definitely. Did I answer your question? <laughs> yeah, for sure. And we'll just, you know, kind of keep dancing around the topic. And I something that you said about, um, you know, just that we experience fear, you know, and we experience fear when it's legitimately a bad idea, you know, when mm-hmm. things are not good. But we also experience mm-hmm. fear when things are – when we're onto something. So yes. that's where you have to start deciphering between the – you know, that's the whole – lesson in learning how to listen to your intuition versus you know the vampire I love that you call it that I call it your inner shit talker Um, (laughs) yes it's all the same thing all right it's all the same thing it's totally true but I Um, yeah yeah 
Sorry, go ahead. No, 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 no. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. I was getting excited about what you were saying. Oh, and I, good. <laughs> and I agree with you. I think that, and I think that's where the, the excited part of the scary exciting comes in. Um, my parents, oh my gosh, back in the eighties when we were growing up, cause I think we're about the same age, yep. you know, stranger danger was the big yes. thing. <laughs> at that, oh my gosh. And at that point, my parents taught me about what they would call the uh Oh feeling, which is something I thought all little kids in the eighties were taught until I started talking to other people people about it. And they're like, what are you talking about? Um, but I use it in my adult life because my, my parents, you know, sat me down and gave me the talk of like, you know, if there's anyone that calls your name or say, says that they know us or whatever, you know, if you don't know them, then, you know, don't go with them. And they also said on top of that, they said, make sure you pay attention to the uh-oh feeling. And with the uh-oh feeling, you're going to feel scared and you're going to feel like something's not right. And you might not be able to put your finger on why it's not right, but it's not going to matter. That doesn't matter. Just you having the uh uh-oh feeling is enough for you to get out of that situation and run away. So don't ever second guess that feeling. Don't try to find a reason to justify it. Just get yourself out of that situation because that means that you're in danger. And... I mean, that lesson has obviously just carried along with me in my adult life. And I, I do, you know, there are times where I'm walking down the street and all of a sudden I'm in like a dark place and I'm in a neighborhood that's not <laughs> great. And I have the, and there's no reason for me to have the uh-oh feeling. I might be, you know, in the middle of Midtown Manhattan, but like I'm turning around and walking back <laughs> to where I didn't have the uh-oh feeling. So I think that that's, Sometimes we we justify why things are okay, even if they don't feel okay, or well, we can't articulate why that's not okay, so it must be okay. But really, it's not okay, and we need to give ourselves that that out. Yeah. Well, and I think I think what's hard too, and where a lot of people struggle, is is they will uh, misconstrue being uh-huh. on to something. And being uh-huh. scared of pursuing like a big dream or a big goal, they'll uh-huh. misconstrue that as uh-oh and leave and throw in the towel. And that's what's the hardest thing to start deciphering. But it's just, it's a it's a, a spirituality muscle to flex, really. Yes. You yeah. know? Yeah. But what I love about what you said is is um, I always think of like, – like let's say you get that uh-oh feeling like uh-oh – this dream is too big or, uh uh-oh, this might be a bad idea or, uh, you know, I always say, think about that thing, whatever it is that you're saying, uh uh-oh, about, think about that really coming to fruition Mm -hmm. and would that bring you joy or would that bring bring you catastrophe? (laughs) Uh Right? So Mm -hmm. if you, if you're walking, you know, through a, you know, a, a sort of sketchy area and you get this, uh uh-oh feeling and you go, okay, these things could could really happen. Yeah, I better leave. But if you're uh-huh. thinking, uh-oh, you know, I don't know if I can go for this job interview. It might be, you know, I might not have the intellect. I might not have the training. I might not have mm-hmm. the, But if you think mm-hmm. about what it would be like to actually attain that job, mm-hmm. it probably feels much more euphoric, expansive, excited. So, so sometimes just looking at that end result of if it were to happen, would that be a good thing? Would it be a bad thing? And we do it in relationships. That's one thing that, you know, I see all the time where it's red flag, red flag, red flag. And it's like, you need to listen to that. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right, 
Right. Oh, I love that question. Thank you for sharing that with me. I think that that's a fantastic way to look at it. And I think, and I think maybe, you know, the more we talk about it, the more it's like, if you're not in danger, yes. <laughs> I feel like if, there, you know, if you're not in danger and, and it's the end of the story, isn't going to be like, Oh, I could be killed, raped, bur- you know, yes. whatever, like here, then you know what the thing that you're doing or about to do is probably not going to kill you. Um, and I always, when I, when I talk about this sort of stuff, um, the vampire voices and the fear and the self-doubt, I always go back to one of my favorite, favorite books, The War of Art. Have you read it? I have not. Oh, <gasps> okay. Pick it up. Like okay. pick it, like pick it up. It's a really quick read. Um, literally it's like a, it's a book you could go through in two hours and it's written by Stephen Pressfield. Um, who's done some follow-up books since then also. Uh, but he's, he's a novelist and a screenwriter. And he wrote this book, The War of Art, all about the war that artists have with oh. their work. But I think that he writes it from a, a writer's point of view, but I think it, it applies to anyone in pretty much any situation, especially people chasing after big dreams um, or things that matter to them, passionate work. And, Basically, the crux of the book is that our our he doesn't call them vampire voices, obviously, but our resist our enemy in the fight against getting our work out into the world is resistance, capital R, yes. and that's basically every single form of what's stopping you: procrastination, perfectionism, you know, questioning, but anything that contributes to you not doing your work, he classifies as resistance with a capital R. And basically he says, the only way to combat that is to show up every single day and do your work. And it doesn't matter if at the end of the day or the week or the month or the year, you take all that work and you figuratively or literally throw it in the trash. It doesn't matter. What matters is that you've shown up and done the work. And the more you do that, the more resistance is going to get pissed off, <laughs> but the more it's going to notice that you're doing the work and you're following through and you're making progress, the more it's going to leave you alone. Um, and actually the closer you get to actually doing the work that you're supposed to be doing in your life, the louder resistance is because resistance is that much more scared to look, look like you're actually doing that work that then they start throwing everything at you. So sometimes I get excited too when my clients tell me right before they're like they're at that precipice where they're about to launch that site or work with their first client or you know um, go into that dream job interview where they're like, no, 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 I can't, I can't do it. There's too, there's much of this. This isn't ready. This isn't working. Um, you know, I got this phone call today. I go, oh, 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 that's re- that's that's resistance, like really making elastic effort. And you know what that means? That means that this is exactly the work that you're supposed to be doing. Exactly. Yeah, you is. know, I had a when I was in coach training, I had a supervisor who would mm-hmm. always tell me, um, when your gremlins get really loud, that is that's your cue that you are on to something. Uh huh. And, and and so when we talk about resistance with a capital R or your vampire voices, your gremlin, your inner critic, your ego. Like it's all just, it's that, that uh, dichotomy within all of us. And it's, uh-huh. it really is, we can personify it really easily with the, like the devil on one shoulder, the angel on the other. That's the easiest way to kind of look at it, but it's all part of us. It's all our own psyche. But there's that part of us that will kind of step into confidence and we feel like a badass and we're like, yeah, 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 yeah. And then 
oftentimes, right after that, there'll be another voice in your same head, in your mm-hmm. same heart, that goes like, oh, no, you can't do that. Oh, no, no, no. So that's what we're referring to. That's what we're talking about. Uh-huh. But I found so much comfort in that concept. So when I was right about to launch a product or do, do you know, do a speaking engagement and my, my you know, inner shit talker would just start getting louder, 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 I would go, oh, so I'm really mm-hmm. on to something because – the deal is, is that part of you is just committed to your safety. It doesn't right. want you to step out into anything that's that's uncharted territory or, you know, it really is a guardian. But if I'm you totally with you, if you can just go, hey, I get it. I get what you're doing. I hear you. Mm-hmm. And I'm mm-hmm. on to something. So mm-hmm. but you know what? I um talking about this whole scared scared thing i i remember years ago i was um i was working as a makeup artist this is my first major career that i was alluding mm-hmm. to earlier um and i was a trainer a corporate trainer for a cosmetic line i was traveling doing all these things and i remembered flipping through a magazine and i saw this phrase and it just jumped out at me and it said you're terrified of change but you're even more terrified not to mm. And I kind of went, yes, yes, that is exactly it. Like I'm full of doubt. I'm terrified to make a big change. I'm terrified to leave the stability of this job. But the trajectory of my life, if I stay here, like I started mm. looking around and and seeing what it would look like if I kept climbing the corporate ladder and if I kept following the, you know, the path that was paved for me. Mm-hmm. And I, I started going, I, I'm more terrified to be that woman. Yes. Yeah. That, that's when you know you're ready. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's when you know you're ready. Um, and I think that not that I'm a, I'm a good person with science at, at all, but you know, I think our just human response to change is to avoid it at all costs. Totally. <laughs> and I think that when we're the ones initiating the change, that's when our inner shit kickers and our vampire voices and resistance, that's when they're like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, what? it's so safe here in your cubicle or in this relationship or because it's what you know. Right. Um, and like, oh, uh, isn't it so nice and cozy? And it's finally when you get to the point that you're like, no, it's not fucking nice and cozy. I, I say, and I've written a post about, you know, safe being a four letter word. Like I feel like safe is a four letter word. Obviously not when you have the uh-oh feeling and you're going down a dark alley and you've watched a lot of SVU and like <laughs> you're thinking what's going to happen to you. Right. But in a way of continuing down whatever it is you're doing, because it's safe or because I get, I get people that, that because I work with people on their career stuff, they come to me and they're like, Oh, but this looks good for my resume. Like if you're living life for your resume um, or you're living life to be safe, then that's, that's great for some people. And for the people that are happy in that place, like amen and hallelujah, I wish I could be you. Um, But I think you you really know like when it's got to the point when you've heard that voice in the back of your head get louder and louder and louder and louder and louder um, and you know like, oh, oh shit, I don't know what's waiting on that other end of the road for me. I don't know where I'm going to wind up. I don't know if this is going to work, but I know I need to try. Like I need to try and I need to go do it. Um, And that alone is something that I think sends resistance being like, no, no what? Are you serious? Right. <laughs> you know? are, you, 
are you are you serious now? Oh my gosh, she's she's really serious. What are we gonna do? Well, it, that's oh man, I love that you brought this up because it's that's one of the stickiest things I think for us is it's so easy to make change when our current situation is volatile, you know, yes, or when yes, it's so yes. painful. You know, obviously change is what happens when it's too painful to stay the same, right? Right, right. The, the biggest problem I think we have is, you know, the mediocrity, the mm. just okay, the relationship that's not so bad, the job that's, meh, it's all right. Uh-huh. So, and but it's never really egregious or super painful. So we don't have this catalyst to push us into action to do something. Mm-hmm. And then what I usually see with these types of periods in people's lives is they will they'll they'll be decades long to the point where they've gotten into this place of like depression because they've right. lived so much life just being dull, mediocre, eh, whatever. Right. And then but, it's too painful. It just takes it, way too long. It takes way too long. They're too old. There is like you know, I mean, there are so many excuses and I feel like that's, that's what separates the men from the boys in a way, um, where, you know, I came from, I I came from a a musical theater background. That was like my, my first love of my life and, and my passion when I was pursuing for a long time. And then, um, and then once I decided that's not what I wanted to be when I grew up, which was like an earth shattering thing for me, you know, I, I yeah. tried to do more corporate stuff and that didn't work too well. And then I found life coaching of all things, um, which I was like, this is not the grown up sort of job that I thought that I, you know, grown up quote unquote stable job that I thought I wanted. Um, but once I was resigned to do it, and by the way, I think that's how a lot of people make decisions. I think a lot of the times we're waiting for lightning to strike and to dance in the street. And we're so happy about the thing, the thing that we think we should be doing, but really it's just like an oh, oh shit moment. Um, and a like, Oh, but this is the hard choice. Uh, that we resist it, resist it, resist it until finally we're just like, okay, we wave the white flag. We have to, <laughs> we have to go and do this. Um, but when I was in, I was in a corporate job as an executive assistant as I was getting my certification and building my business for almost three years. And the things that I couldn't tolerate and I still can't are just the people that are, they have an excuse for everything. They're so unhappy, mm-hmm. but they can't find any other job or they can't they can't find another job in the city that they live in they can't take a pay cut it's a recession they have to do that they it's like and every single thing you say is an excuse but yet they're very vocal about how unhappy they are right and it's just like well well you know if you're giving away all of your power to change anything about your situation then i kind of feel like you don't have a right to complain about your situation right right I know I had a client who always said, I, I am not willing to complain about anything I'm not willing to take action on. And I thought that was so great because it was like, uh-huh. yes, you know, I just uh, had written to my community the same question. What is more important, your excuses or your dream? You've got to pick one. Right. It's one or the other. Right. Right. I mean, it's really that simple. So, okay. So let's let's talk about this then. Like, let's say people are listening and they're going, yes, I am really clear that self-doubt is my biggest obstacle. Mm-hmm. I have these dreams. I have these inklings of uh, notions about things I want to pursue. And then it gets trumped by this voice mm-hmm. in my head. Um, what can they do about that? What do you suggest? Mm. Um, so a few things pop to mind. I think really three things. So one is to write write those things down. I feel like there's real power 
and, and getting those out on paper and seeing them. And I like to have my clients almost make two columns on a piece of paper. And in the left-hand column, it's whatever the fear is, whatever their vampire voice or their inner shit kicker is saying. Literally, what is it saying? I am scared that I'm not enough. I'm going to be a bag lady. Um, No one's going to hire me. I'm not going to be able to, you know, deliver good work to my clients or whatever it is. And on the right-hand side, you rebut it as if you're a lawyer up against the vampire voice or the shit kicker. So, like, really, like, what is it? that you would say to make a rebuttal against this argument um, as if you were a lawyer. And so I think that that is just really powerful because, and this is the, I I didn't start out my life coaching career as a hippy dippy, if you could believe it, but now I absolutely am. Um, You know, I think there's power, even if you don't believe that rebuttal, there's power in writing it down and And going to that and kind of using that as almost a script. So when you start hearing those voices again, you could go to that paper and, and like talk to that voice. Um, So I think that's a really good exercise. Uh, Another thing that I pretty much make all of my clients do when they start working with me is to make um, what I like to call a win book. Um, And I have a, a whole post on this on, on my site um, that talks more about it. But basically, it's a, it doesn't have to be a tangible book. For me, it's something that lives in Evernote. It could be a Word document. It could be, you know, whatever you want. But it's a place to collect your compliments. And I think that, you know, the things that stick in our lives, unfortunately, are the negative experiences and the criticisms. And that's what we carry with us. Whereas the compliments, the thank yous, the positive reports, Um, we might acknowledge it, but we're not internalizing it. And so I, you know, do something where when I get that email from a client or someone that reads my blog or someone just, I don't know, telling me what I did affected them in some way or thanking me for something, I copy it and I put it in an Evernote folder. Um, and you know, I keep it there not only for a rainy day for when I feel like, the vampires are out or, you know, I'm really down on myself. Like what I'm doing isn't helping people. Um, I have that, but it's also a really great way I find to, um, really start noticing what your superpower is and what you contribute to the world. Um, and kind of the through lines with what people thank you for. Um, and that's, uh, you know, obviously in, in your career, whether you're working for yourself or someone else, it's just something great that you could articulate, um, whether it's in an interview or on a website or something like that. Uh, so I feel like starting that in, in any sort of capacity, um, whether it's your thank you notes, you know, that or birthday cards you get from people that say nice things or, you know, your report from work, like everyone needs to have a win book. I love that. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Because it's so true. Like, you could have a hundred compliments, which most of the time uh-huh. we, we dismiss. And then we'll have the one, you know, negative remark. And that's what we attach to. So mm-hmm. this is it's just like collecting different evidence and choosing what you focus on. I really love that. In fact, Absolutely. I I have a video post. Um, and I'll put links to all of this, you guys, so you can check, oh, out, great. check out Michelle's posts on this. And um I had a video post that I did about accepting the gift is what I called it. Mm-hmm. And it's about um, accepting compliments. 
Like uh-huh. that, that's a whole. And in fact, I think we did. A sh- we might have done a show on that too. Um, but yeah, it's like you get to choose what you put on your radar, and it's it's Absolutely. it's funny that it. I, I love when this synchronicity happens because the notes that I had written down, like here's here's some tactical things people can do to work with self doubt. My first one was take an inventory. <laughs> you know uh-huh, exactly uh-huh. what you were saying, and uh-huh. it, I, I always call it the rebuttal as well. That I always call it that. Like you need to, re- dif- you know, uh, dispute it because here's the bitch of it all because this is all happening in your own mind we naturally just accept it all as truth period it's just true that you're incompetent it's just true that so-and-so is way smarter than you which means you can't do anything you know to advance your career it's just true that the nature of the economy will make it so that you absolutely can't progress in building your own business it's you know we just accept it as truth until we dismantle it so that's why your exercise of writing it down and then refuting it and saying this doesn't have to be the truth what we don't realize is we create that nobody mm-hmm. says yes you're right the economy sucks so you can't do this we or yes you're right you're too fat to pursue <laughs> whatever you want to you know you know and and maybe it was maybe it started out as an external voice but sure. in some way we've internalized it and i think at the end of the day i mean i like this could be another way to, to work on it, um, is writing down what you, what you trust or what you know to be true. And it's like, at the end of the day, my vampire voice could tell me that, Oh, you know what, Michelle, all of this, when I grow up coach, goodness is going to go away tomorrow. Like your clients are just going to dry up and no one's going to be angry and whatever. Like my mind could go there, but I trust that, you know what, if that did happen, I'm not going to be a bag lady on the street. Mm-hmm. I'm going to figure it out. My husband's going to be able to help me. My mother would never let me live on the street. I, if, if there's anything I know, um, I'm able to kind of build myself up in that I am fucking awesome at getting hired. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm just, at one point I had, I wrote a post called 20 jobs in seven years because I had 20 jobs in seven years. So you know, I could probably write a book on like how to give a killer interview or how to write a great, you know, cover letter that gets you noticed and whatever and like what people want. And and I trust that like I, I could go back to corporate America if I need to. Um, so I'm not going to be actually vampire voice. I'm not going to be a, a bad lady on the street. It's never going to happen. I'm always going to be able to not only have the wherewithal to take care of myself, but I have so many people that love me unconditionally that like it's not going to be an issue. So I feel like going back to that and resting on that, but it's, it's hard. Um, and I don't want to gender stereotype, but I think as women, uh, we're kind of taught to deflect. And I like that you mentioned, you know, accepting compliments. Sometimes that, sometimes just saying thank you to you look pretty today, or I like that outfit instead of saying, Oh, this old thing, I've had this for 10 years or, you know, Oh, I just rolled out of bed or I found 10 gray hairs. It's like, We have to make that choice. But even beyond that, um, it's allowing yourself sometimes even the wind book, even though no one's seeing it, like feels yucky because it feels kind of egotistical that you're collecting your compliments. Um, But I think we all need to just get over it. (laughs) Right. But then so what's the alternative, you know? And that's the thing is like we think, oh, gosh, I just – I'm afraid that I'm going to be so egotistical and, you know, grandiloquent and blah, blah, blah. Uh And it's like, well, what's the alternative? You sit and you, 
you cower to your own internal voice that is keeping you down. You accept it as truth. You don't go after your dreams for the uh-huh. fear of possibly being a cocky asshole, which <laughs> hasn't happened yet. But for the reason that you actually care about being cocky, you won't be. I'm I'm with you, and that's and that's my that's what I say too. I mean. It's always, I always laugh at the clients that express that fear to me are always the clients that it's like, you cannot be that if you tried. Like the exactly. sweetest, most genuine, kindest people are the ones that are most genuinely worried about being the big, slimy, used car salesman type of people. And it's like, that is not you. That's never going to be you. Um, so it's, it's, it's really about... I, I kind of equate the win book almost to self-care yes. um, and, and kindness to yourself as well. Treating yourself like your own best friends, if that's not hippy-dippy enough for you. Well, it's also like if, if somebody were to take care of themselves in any other capacity, like if they're like, uh-huh. oh, I have a dentist appointment, you're like, oh, how selfish. Right? Right? Or like, oh, I'm, I'm working out. Oh, my God. You're so egotistical. All you do is care about your physical body. <laughs> totally. But we totally. Take, we're taking care of our mental capacity. That's what we're right. doing. We're taking care right. of our spirit. We're saying, yes, you are a beautiful individual the way you are. And that's one of the biggest difference between cocky and confident, I think. And we did a, we did a, a pod on that, too, mm. is that. Cocky is saying, I'm better than you. Uh-huh. It, it's something about other people. It relates to other people. Like, only one of us can win, and it's me. That's mm-hmm. cocky. Confidence is, I love the person that I am, and you're free to love who you are. I'm free, you know, I'm free to love you. You can love me. It's expansive. It's not limiting. Right. It's not one or the other. Right. So right. get over it. <laughs> <laughs> so get over it. And, you know, I think and I and I, I love everything that you said and agree with it wholeheartedly. It reminds me. Um, oh, my gosh. Going back a few years to to my very first coach when I was in coaching school. I've, I'm, I'm, I'm a recovering people pleaser, as I like to put it. It's never going to go away, but hopefully it's, I'm, I'm in recovery. It's in remission <laughs> in a way. And, and what I worked on for, for, oh my gosh, months, if not years, a year or more is, is that quote unquote me time. And is that I'm just as important as everyone else in my life. And something that my coach at the time said to me that stuck to is, is, the analogy of um, being on a plane and having them say, you need to put your own oxygen mask on before you can assist anyone else. And it gave me such a good visual because she said she she said that to me and then said, well, what happens if you don't put your oxygen mask on first? And I said, well, it means that I'm not uh, that I'm going to be passed out in the aisle and then I'm not going to be able to help anyone else when I'm passed out in the aisle. Exactly. Um and I love more than anything, you know, hearing from clients that like, like, and I'm sure you hear this all the time too, that, oh my gosh, the work that they've done on themselves and that we did together, not only was a benefit to them, but their partners and their family members and their friends are noticing, oh my gosh, you're so much more pleasant to be around. Oh my God, you're so much more calm. Oh my God, you're so much more present with what you're doing. And, um, and I think that's a really big thing. So to me, that's how I was able to 
kind of justify things in a way of starting to say no to people and and fearing that I was letting them down or fearing that I was going to be this turn into some cocky asshole because I I wasn't putting everyone on the planet before me and now I'm able to say no no if I don't you know take my ukulele lessons and I don't have my bubble bath every week and I don't go to yoga like I'm going to be a really not great person to be around it's true. Oh my gosh, it's true. So so if you guys hear nothing, hear this. The idea that becoming confident or surmounting your self-doubt or working with it, the idea that that is going to make you a cocky asshole is a fallacy. I have never, not once in my life, have I ever witnessed that. I've never witnessed somebody really dig into personal development, begin cultivating a, a rich relationship with self, start speaking kindly to themselves and become a dick. I have never once seen it. It's a fucking fallacy. So, <laughs> and I don't know anyone else who sees it, who says, oh, you got to watch out for that. That is a slippery slope. No, it's not a fucking gateway drug. Right. It's not going to happen. <laughs> well, and you know, I mean, and as, as obvious as this seems, like, um, it's been such a light bulb for me that this um, negative self-talk and these vampire voices have a direct relation to how kind you're being to yourself and self-care. Like I, I never really saw that connection before um, until just now. So I love, I love that. I feel like they're so connected. When you start taking care of yourself yes. and nurturing yourself and being kind to yourself, then that inner shit kicker is going to calm the fuck down. Yeah, it, it's so true. And really what you start doing is you habituate a new way of being, a new way of operating. So, mm -hmm. for instance, if you've been operating in this place of self-doubt constantly, I always love to encourage people, like, congratulations, you can you can create a new way. You've already right. created this. Okay. You've nurtured it with a specific set of thoughts and beliefs. So you can create something different. That's that's the beauty of our psyche um, mm -hmm. and our, you know, our, our spiritual nature. So one of the things that I advocate often is – if it doesn't feel like you can start saying super loving or um, amorous things to yourself, if you can't look in the mirror and say, God, you're gorgeous or you're competent and you're, or you're so intelligent, you can accomplish whatever you want, use what I call progressive language, which is I'm on my way or I'm on the road. Uh -huh. so, or, so using things like I'm exploring what it looks like to view myself mm -hmm. as beautiful or um, I'm open to the possibility uh, of embracing uh, my intellect. Something that's like, okay, mm -hmm. I'm not there yet, but what I am doing is I'm committed to progression. I'm not going to stay locked into I am ugly. I am incompetent. I am – no, 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 no. Mm -hmm. I used to think that. Now mm -hmm. I'm on the road to – uh, you know, self-love or I'm on the road to mm -hmm. self-confidence or I'm mm -hmm. exploring what it looks like to cultivate self-confidence. Mm -hmm. um, so even those sorts of things, another huge one, you guys watch what triggers you. So mm -hmm. when, when you spiral into a place of self-doubt or, or um, self-loathing even, which is so common, what's around you? And is it something mm -hmm. that you can control? Is it is it external stimuli like magazines or television or media, something that you could just simply turn off or throw away? Mm -hmm. Is it people in your life who um, 
who, for whatever reason, whether it comes from a place of ill intent or good intention, aren't right. able to to actually hold your greatest good in in regard. So mm. that's the type of stuff that you can start setting yourself up for success a little bit better. You know, watch Absolutely. watch those triggers. Watch what's around you. Yeah. Absolutely. And the other thing that, that came to mind um, at first, <laughs> I have so many things that everyone could do to, you know, to help with this as, as do you, which is great because I don't think you need to do everything, but you know, for, for the listeners out there, just pick what resonates most yes, with you. Exactly. Um, you know, I think that I like to give my clients uh, multiple personality disorders. Mm. And so if you want to do that exercise of like, well, who am I being right now? Like, what's my, you know, what is my vampire, my inner shit kicker? Like, what do they look like? And what do they say? And what's their name? And how do they act? And what are they wearing? And then you go to, what do I want to emulate? Or what do I want to be um, the type of personality that I want to be aiming for? So like, for example... I'm a wonderful client who, oh my gosh, came to me after, after these voices were really, really loud one week. And she called, she called it her inner teenage tantrum thrower. She's like that, you know, it was just, it was me as a teen, like it was, she was having flashbacks to being a teenager and just throwing tantrums. And she's like, this is what I've been hearing in my head. Um, so we said, okay, well, you don't want to be the inner teenage tantrum thrower anymore. What, what do you want to be instead? And she's like, oh, I want to be a, a professional, confident artist, adult artist. So we're like, okay, what does that professional, confident adult artist do? And what does she wear? And how does she react when she, you know, when the teenage tantrum thrower comes to town? And so you could kind of give yourself that persona to step into and almost use it as like an acting exercise in a way and a way to kind of focus yourself as to how you want to act and, and react. I love that. And, uh. and that really is um... – it's just a testament to our complexity and mm. and also to choice that at any moment, like once you actually identify these different personalities, these mm-hmm. different pieces that you can choose, now you can go, oh, oh yeah, it feels shitty to choose, right. to choose right. that one. Right. <laughs> I'm right. not going to make that choice. I'm not going to choose to surround myself with people who nurture that voice. Right. Oh, that's a big one too, Amy. We like just touched on that. I feel like that's a big one too. It's true. Yeah. Or I, or beliefs or behaviors. Like yes. if it makes you feel shitty to I always use this example but to spend hours perusing your ex's Facebook page. Guess who's doing that? You are. That's your own behavior. You can choose something that feels better. Yes. And that goes for the people in your life. And I find that that's just something, you know, it's such a hard thing. It's such a hard thing. But I think that the majority of us that step into our dream lives, whatever that means to us, whether it's, you know, pursuing a, a career that you're really passionate about or doing a project that you really love or just doing something that challenges someone else's bullshit excuses that they've been telling themselves in order to hold themselves back. Um, sometimes the people that we, we think, uh, are our friends or people that love us, 
show us that other side of not being able to understand and cutting us down. And it doesn't mean that you need to totally cut those people out of your life. But I think it means you need to have a certain conversation or you need to, you know, put those people on the back burner and find your tribe. Like we talked about earlier in the call, find your tribe and find your people and surround yourself with people that not only get it and see the world in the way that you do, as Danielle Laporte would say, but, um, but also are, are cheering you on and supporting you. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. It's, it, it's, it's so true. And I, I do want to underline again that uh, so many times it's the people in our life. Um, and that's why I love so, so much having the, the coaching Mm-hmm. Uh, colleagues and stuff that we have because people you just get it. But there's a lot of people who they don't mean to be naysayers. They genuinely are worried for you. You know, they want oh, right. they want you to have the quote right job or the right life or whatever. They're and it's just their own limited thinking. Right. So sometimes it's not that they're that it comes across really acrimonious and awful and rude and like you can't do things. Sometimes it's just limited. Yes. 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 And I think depending on who it is, um, you know, they, they are, they are concerned about your safety, um, or their concern. Like, for example, I think a lot of the time parents kind of voice, you know, that displeasement or that uncomfortability and hearing that you're like going to quit your job to be an artist. They're, they're expressing that concern. Um, sometimes not (laughs) in a, very supportive way, but it's because they're, they're worried about you and they're worried for you. Um, and I have on my, my blog, different, different posts as to like, how can you have that conversation? How can you get your friends and family to kind of jump on your train or understand the transition that you're making or what it is that you're doing that they're so afraid of for you? Um, and sometimes, you know, sometimes all it takes is a good heart to heart conversation and, some real progress that you could say to them. I've already, you know, I've already uh, been hired by four clients to do their logos and I've, you know, done X, Y, and Z and like showing them some real, real proof with things. And sometimes people are just not going to let it go because for whatever reason, they're personally threatened by your own (laughs) success and, and progress and motivation. And they want to beat you down because by beating you down, it proves to them that you can't actually quit your job to be an artist. And so, you know, it means that their whole life wasn't a waste. And so they're going to do nothing but beat you down <laughs> about right, it. Right. You know, we, we need to stay away from that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the first step of that is the awareness. So that's why, you know, that's why we always are advocating. Take the inventory. Write, write it out. Notice your triggers. Notice right. those people. Like start becoming really aware who can hold your biggest dreams. Um, yes. And again, you know, I really I obviously want to underscore this cuz I I'm so passionate about this project, but you guys, a lot of what we talk about at bringyourthing.com and this video series totally free, like you have nothing to lose. Uh-huh. Go and watch it. We talk a lot about this internal confidence and about uh-huh. about creating your soul tribe and and uh, getting rid of some of these barriers that are in your way. And it's very possible. It's totally, totally possible. Uh-huh. So thank you so much, Michelle, for sharing everything <laughs> and, and being here. I so much appreciate it. Yeah, I love this conversation. Like I feel... 
like exhausted in a good way. Good. You know what I mean? Like we went through so much and there was just so much good stuff. I, I really hope all of your listeners are going to are gonna take away a, a lot from it. So thank you for having me. It was so fun being your guestie. Oh, yay. Awesome. <laughs> so tell everybody again where to find you. Yes. Find me on whenigrowupcoach.com. And then from there, you'll find buttons to Facebook and Twitter and YouTube and blah, 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 my blog and everything. But instead of giving out all of those separate links, just go to whenigrowupcoach.com. And I have a free little video series too. So if you oh, cool. um, if you watch it like right on my homepage, it's 10 ways to discover work that feels like play. Um, so you can watch the first video right on my homepage. And then if you sign up to be a VIP on my little newsletter list, um, you'll get the rest of the series uh, a day at a time for 10 days. So um, everyone go do that and uh, and wave at me on Twitter or the Facebooks or shoot me an email. I'm, I'm always... I do this work because I love being a relationship builder. So don't be shy about waving and saying you're, you, you came to me from Amy and I'll treat you extra nice. Cool. Yay. So you guys, th- th- that's another thing too. I, I want to just underline every single person that I have on here, myself, we're all giving away a bunch of shit for free. Like <laughs> if, yeah. if you want to grow if you want to develop and you're stuck and you're going I don't know I don't know start being resourceful there's tons of resources Mm -hmm. out there for you this podcast is one of them um Mm -hmm. so take advantage of this stuff people are out there like giving their heart and saying you know here I can help you I'll show you um so yeah Yeah. please swing by when I grow up coach.com hang out with Michelle snag her video series um cruise by bring your thing.com make sure to sign up for that and uh until next week here is to loving and living your most badass life amy and michelle signing off